Hey guys, it's Jason. Whatsoever is true. Welcome back. You know our philosophy here. Uh, just like Jack Dempsey and Mike Tyson used to walk into the ring with no robe and no socks, you know, just the gloves, the trunks, the sneakers, ready to go. That's what we're doing. We're just jumping right into it because we're talking about the Word of God and how there is nothing more important in life than obeying the Lord, knowing Him, loving Him, and of course, uh, to love Him is to follow Him and, and obey Him. So, all problems that we have in our lives are because of sin, either directly or indirectly, right? And, and therefore, the answers to our vexations, our sufferings, our struggles, our troubles, uh, are in Christ. There you go. I mean, that's as, as, as simple as we can put it, and why learning about the word of the Lord and then and then humbly and prayerfully submitting to it and and asking for the power in the Holy Spirit to act it out is critical. So in today's today's podcast, we're going to cover death. Okay. I've I've had a lot of people and maybe you've struggled with this. Well why does why do Christians die? Why is there death? How are we supposed to approach death? Maybe you're getting older. Maybe you're 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 fearful of it yourself or you are, are wondering about why it's impacted other people and why it's taken people from you, maybe as we see it prematurely. So let's delve into that and look at Scripture. I'm going to start with Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verses 1 through 3. The preacher says that, But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man doesn't know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the one who is, so is the sinner, as, as the good one is, rather, so is the sinner. And he who swears is his, he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. What a verse. Praise be to God for his holy and life-giving word. Um, you know, let's consider a couple of things. The first thing is, but all this I laid to heart. Uh, the preacher the preacher's calling the congregation together. I mean, that's what, that's what Ecclesiastes is. You know, you're calling the congregation together, and, and that is the people of God. And so these aren't atheists debating death. This is the people of God. This is us, his church. And so he says, this is all of this. He's examined it all. He's thought carefully about it. This already is in contradistinction to the cavalier, easily distracted, fill, fill our minds with trivia, modern world way of living. Right? So we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. And that's an easy way to do it, is to be looking at the, at the news more than you're looking at the word of the Lord. I, and all of us fall prey to that. Hopefully I'm, you don't think I'm shaming you. Uh, I'm not. What I'm, I'm telling you the same thing. Like if you, if you go to a doctor and he says you need to cut back on the junk food and the cigarettes and all that, well, there you go. We have a lot of junk food in our spiritual diet. He's examining it all. And he says, the righteous and the wise and the deeds are in the hand of God. God is absolutely sovereign. There is not a single thing or a single group of people or a single activity, a single enterprise or discipline that is outside the knowledge and control of the sovereign God of the universe. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. So whether it is love or hate, man doesn't know. 
vote them before him. That's a, a way of saying, so a lot of commentators are, are divided on that, but that's a, a way of saying, uh, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and it's like James says in the New Testament, is that we should be boasting about tomorrow. We should say, if the Lord wills, if he approves of this, then we shall do X, Y, or Z. So that, that's a, a manner of humility and living that's very important for all of us to get. And it is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. And he goes ahead, the righteous and the wicked, and he's like, okay, so the righteous and the wicked, we have the good and evil, the clean and unclean. So it's a way of saying the, the person who's in church twice on Sunday and, and, and Wednesday nights, and he's in the prayer groups, he's in the Bible study, to that one and to the most reprobate person you know. They're all going to die. The universal fact of sin is proven in the universal fact of death. That is one of the strongest, staunchest, most, most unequivocal proofs of biblical Christianity that, that you can find is that is the universal fact of sin shows that the Bible is true in what it says about life, about where man came from, uh, about man's fall, and, and, and the punishment for sin is death. A lot of people, a lot of worldviews just don't take it. They don't think and examine it, in, in other words. They, they look at it and think, oh, well, it's just death, right? Death and taxes. They, they say it in a, in a sort of dismissive manner. But that's not what the Bible's doing. That's not what the preacher's doing here. He says, this I laid to heart examining it all. And he says, yeah, okay, so there's this terrible thing. Uh, this is an evil that's done under the sun. The same event happens to all. Death is an evil. It's not, it's not natural. It's an unnatural intrusion into the created order of God because of man's moral rebellion against God. So, <clears throat> this madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the death. Before we get into saying, well, why is there death? Let's remember the last part of this, and madness is in their hearts who are full of evil while we live. The fact that we get mercy and grace, we get sunshine, and we get beaches and mountains and good food and family, we get any joy whatsoever, all of this, all of it is, is testimony to God's patience and forbearance, which are meant to lead us to repentance. But instead, because of our hardened and penitent hearts, I'm you know, paraphrasing Romans chapter 2, verses 4 or 5-ish in there, that because of our hardened and penitent hearts, we're storing up wrath for ourselves. Because we're, we're sitting there going, well, what's with death? I don't like death. I mean, and, and we want the blessings of God, but we don't want to be uh, righteous in the Lord through faith. So let, let me just say this. Of all the difficulties that lay upon the heart, I'd have to say, as we turn now to more seriously consider this, perhaps the heaviest is death. And it's due, um, you know, when we're looking at it, since it's true that Christ died for our sins, and was raised for our justification. We may very well ask, well, why then do believers have to experience death at all, right? Um, we might ask why God doesn't go about the whole plan of salvation in some other way. Of course, we the logic of it is simple. I mean, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and we we're, we're going to we're born in Adam, we're born in sin, and then we're saved. And this body of sin is dying, and then it will be raised imperishable. So as Christ died, which raised again, so will we be. What's going to happen is, like the baptism is a symbol of that, of us dying and coming back from the dead, we are now living the resurrection life in part, even as our bodies decay, even as our tent, our earthly tent, withers away. So 
So we may ask this and we may wonder, but I do, do want to say that we've got to ask this carefully. We've got to remember who we're talking to and remember who we're talking about. We've got to remember that all of our confusion in life, no matter the issue or area, is due to our inability to see the enormity of the Lord and not because He is in error. The great lie of our age tells us, you know, you should have confidence. You're like, oh, it's just, um, this says, oh, it'll work out in the end, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's the way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Our confidence is in the Lord, not ourselves. Christian boldness is a result in our humili- of our humility in Him. So a good sign of a false believer is a critical spirit. The graceless heart is always proud. Notice that, this, that the preacher's tone, how humble it is. We should be very humble in the Lord because we're dealing with very weighty issues. On the contrary, the best evidence of Christian maturity is found in that boldness that comes from resting in the assurance of salvation through faith alone, that we know that the Lord's word is true. So the sum of the matter, right, all has been heard, is that we must fear God and keep his commandments. That's the Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. This is a simple truth. Uh, but the thing is, truth is simple, but not easy. It's simple because God is holy and true, and he's sovereign. But it isn't easy because God isn't just bigger than we think. He's bigger than our ability to think. Our minds are finite, okay? And it's hard to grasp all of this stuff. Plus, our own fleshly nature, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all war against us. That's what makes it not easy. To fear God really precludes us putting him in the dock about us sitting here and, and, and trying to cross-examine the Almighty. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning and end of knowledge. So let's approach the subject through what we know to be true. Let's not start midstream about death and get into all of these things. Let's look at the word of the Lord and, and, and start there. And, and, and tether ourselves to there. Let's, let's really hook ourselves to the word of the Lord, and then we'll move forward into what can sometimes be the blizzard conditions of, of life. All errors, all theological errors and heresy have this in common. They start with the serpent's great challenge in Genesis 3. They start with, did God really say? It isn't a mere question of, of small detail alone, guys. It's deeper than that, much deeper. It means, does God have all authority? Does he have the right to set the terms of life? In other words, do we have the authority, right, to think of life in our own terms? Do we have that right? We don't. We can't. We're not, we're not the original. We're not the creator. We're the creation. So all of our problems and issues, as I said when we started, are, be, are because of and they're downstream of sin. So directly or indirectly, sin's fires burn through our homes and through our hearts, our villages, our cities, our nations. The apparently small compromise with sin by, of questioning God's word leads to incredible tragedies, including this one before us right now, this great evil called death. So we also know that God has dealt with sin through restoring men to right standing with himself. How? Through the life and work of Jesus Christ. The problem of death is in actu- you know, the actuality of sin. And sin has been defeated by Christ through his perfect life and his atoning death and resurrection. His perfection is imputed to us through faith so that our record of death is expunged by that sweet righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's our guarantee. So he came out of the tomb and we have his righteousness so we will also be raised up again. Okay, so that means that 
that though death still claims every single person on earth, um, it isn't the final word, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. So death, where is your sting? There's, there's no more sin penalty for us, so therefore death has lost its sting. So we will be raised with him just as we died symbolically in baptism and, and, and through the repentance of our sin. We died to the old ways. We died to the old man. And we're to daily in our sanctification putting to death those deeds of the, of the body and making no provision for the flesh. This is the resurrection life. That's what I meant when I said that. That which is flesh can't inherit the kingdom of God, so we've got to die in the flesh. All right? That day is coming for all of us. And it's a blessed day to be reunited with the Lord at last, to finally behold Him, and to be free from the presence of sin. Okay? That, that's coming. All right. But some are going to protest that there's this still this way. Why is God doing it this way? I, 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 a, a young man that, that I've mentored in the faith, he's, he's really struggled with this. And uh, so again, I want to say, let's be humble, but let's be, and be careful not to grumble and complain of the way God has ordered things. I mean, like, for example, why does Jesus wait until he's 30 to start his ministry? I don't know. We're not told. Well, well partially we're told that he, uh, he learned obedience and submission. Okay. Um, but could he, my point is, could he have done it another way? He's God. Could he have just like jetted him in on Thursday night? <laughs> Brother Rustin, well, he needs to live the perfect life. Um, how long does life have to be? I don't know. We don't get that information. We've got enough information that we know it's true and it's rational, and it's actionable. We go from there. So faith waits. Sin blames and whines. Sin starts looking for, for, sin's a critic always. Sin is always casting blame. That's what Cain was doing. That's all sinners throughout scripture are always grumbling and complaining. So let's rest faithfully as we consider this. Um, that's why I said that, that really the hallmark of sin is you have a very critical spirit. And you're always mockers and scoffers. You'll see them in the church too. But for our part, let's turn to John chapter 11 and we learn that Mary at uh, and Martha's brother Lazarus is sick, right? So the sisters send a message to Jesus that his dear friend is ill. Uh, this is sort of like a prayer, okay? We send a message. So we encounter some trial or tragedy, and we send it up to the Lord. and said, Lord, I'm in trouble. Your servant desperately needs your help. So G Scripture tells us, uh, and that's chapter 11 in the Gospel of John, verse 4, that Jesus heard the message clearly. That's the point here. Jesus always hears our prayers, every single one. Do, do you think, dear child of God, I mean, really, think about this. Do you wonder sometimes if God actually hears you? I mean, this is a, this is a really big moment in life sometimes we're alone and we're, we're put upon and we're besieged and it can sometimes hit you maybe he's not listening especially when he delays the answer so fear not he hears every cry he hears every whimper he feels deeply every tear remember when when Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus why do you persecute me he so identifies the persecutions of his people the church that he, he, he says me you're persecuting so he feels your pain. He knows you intimately, inside and out. You have that deep connection to the sovereign God of the universe who loves you, who died for you. So, okay, but let's go back to John chapter 11. So, all right, then why? 
Why do we suffer as we do? But what's going on here? Let's read on. Jesus tells those with him, you know, the disciples are with him, that Lazarus' sickness won't end in death. So everyone must have thought, oh, well, that's good, right? It'll all work out. <laughs> but on the heels of that, Jesus stayed where he was, interestingly, for another two days. No big deal, right? Lazarus is going to be fine. I must have been like, okay, fine. He's not leaving. He said, Lazarus, is, this isn't going to end in death. We're going to be good. But notice what he said. This isn't going to end in death. That's an interesting thing, <laughs> right? Isn't it going to end in death? But death was involved. They didn't know that at the time. It's just like we don't know many things, which is why we need to be careful. So we can imagine everyone's shock when, lo and behold, Lazarus died. In fact, Jesus himself tells them that he died. In a most confounding way, too. He says, well, he fell asleep. And he's like, okay, no, he's not asleep. He's dead. Okay, guys. But then he also says that he's glad he wasn't there because now they're really going to believe. What? What? This is, this is so perplexing as it just defies description. And the reason we're looking at this and studying it right now is because this is our lives. We're living in biblical history insofar as it is God's relationship to his people. That's what I mean by that. Okay? We're, we're not, this, this isn't foreign. The patterns that were working then are still working now. New times, same Lord. Okay? Different saints, same Lord, same faith. So you could probably, right, I mean, you, you can imagine their confusion. Um, you, you could just probably stand there and just be dumbfounded by the whole thing. Something's happened and we just can't believe it, right? Some, some, uh, something you prayed about to be avoided wasn't avoided. Some battle that you, you, you desperately wanted to, to at least not lose, you lost. Something was taken that you never thought would be taken. Yeah. So Jesus waited two days while his dear friend died, and Mary and Martha, who sent to him for help and knew of his power, I mean, they had to be devastated. They had to be devastated. Where was he? Why didn't he come and fix the problem? What was he doing? Can you imagine how abandoned they must have felt? How puzzled? I mean, maybe you felt like life sharks have taken a, <coughs> excuse me, a dreadful bite, and you're left bleeding in the water, right? So, Jesus was coming. Martha went out to intercept him. She couldn't wait. She couldn't contain herself. So she goes out and she tells him what she knows and what we all know. She, I mean, she just runs out. And she gives him one of the greatest statements of faith during grief in history. She says, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, it will be done. Man, notice the utter absence of pride in, in Martha's statement. Despite her boldness in going out to him and telling him what has to be crushing her heart to millions of shattered little pieces, that he could have stopped the whole thing had he been there. But the undertone there, why did he wait? She falls only on faith, guys. She says only that she knows he can do whatever he pleases, and that is enough. In her grief, this is her lifeline. Mary, on the other hand, for whatever reason, we're not told, unlike Martha, stays where she is. Like her sister, she's deep in suffering for Lazarus, and she's racked by confusion too. Jesus told Martha to tell Mary that he wanted to see her, and when Mary heard it, she got up right away and went out to him. One went to him, and he made sure he got the other one too. 
whatever your personality type, <clears throat> whether you're Tigger or you're Pooh, the Lord is your Lord. He will, he will make you stand. So none of us will ever be lost or abandoned because of our personality type. So <clears throat> neither sister questions his goodness and authority. Mary goes after him and she says the same thing, basically. She says, Lord, why weren't you here? We called and you didn't answer. And now we've suffered a terrible loss. Mary's faith tempers the soul's storm. And she says, again, if you'd been here, my brother would still be alive. It's grief and confusion are not sins. In fact, when presented to the Lord, they're the seeds of faith's greatest moments. So Mary was told, we're told, was weeping. She was weeping. And the Lord, <laughs> the Lord sees his sweet and broken child in great tears and in utter confusion, utter confusion of his soul, and he wept too. He weeps with his children. What a God this is. Who could fathom such a thing as this? So what happens next is the whole point of our lives. L listen with the ear of your heart. In your sufferings and your confusions especially, here's where the whole of it comes together. Jesus has a crowd there at the tomb, right? And he tells them to take the stone away. <laughs> and they're like, what are you kidding me? He's going to be stinky. So, um, so they push it out of the way and it lies there before him, dark and quiet, just as death always are. Death always mocks us and it's quiet. He's there now, right? There he is, just as he is right now. He's there, right, as he was then. He's there in front of the tombs of our lives, just as he was in front of Lazarus's. But before he raises that dear friend from the dead, before he rattles everyone's perception of reality and does this seemingly impossible with a mere spoken word, he tells us the most important thing in the world. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. That's John 11, verses 41 through 42, right? You see, it's belief through the trials that marks the life of the Christian. Believing God is a goal of life and not any other thing downstream, whatever it might be. This belief sets everything in motion. So when Jesus Christ calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Here came the dead man walking. And that long week of worry and fear and death are gone gone, vanish. In an instant, he changes everything. He says, Lazarus, come out. He says, Lazarus, because if he just said, come out, everyone would have come out. That's his power. That's how powerful he is. So, yeah, got to think the way through this. The God who weeps with you through your agonies and your losses and death has this power. And someday, when the time is right, though he may tarry two days or more, Christian, he will come to you. He will come for you. He will comfort you. He will restore you. He'll mend you. And nothing that has happened will ever be but a glory you give to him in the future. Just as Mary later anointed the Lord with all that expensive ointment and wiped his blessed feet with her hair, so will you be. Can you imagine that? What will you do when you see him at last? Are you going to sing and dance with joy? Are you going to hug, hug him and cry? What are you going to do? Think about that moment. You're going to see the Lord face to face, your Savior, the one who died for you, the sovereign king of the universe, all authorities under, under him. And 
What will you do? You sit on the beach and, and eat breakfast with them like Peter did? I don't know. But that's your future. That's your destiny. It's in this truth that we live. So if this podcast reaches you in any kind of low moment in your life, go now. Go and live for him and through him and to him. If you're struggling, your day with him is coming. That's what you need to know. That's faith. It's your destiny. Whatever, whatever defeat you get here is a temporary defeat. It's not, the, it's not the end of the matter. All is heard in Christ only, not here on earth. It's not an election Tuesday. It, it is only in Christ when he has the summation of all things put down under his feet completely. He's the final. He's the alpha. He's the omega. And that's the rest we have for who hopes for what he can see. That's us right now. We look like sheep to be slaughtered, right? But we're not. We, through Christ, we're more than conquerors. And so the issue of death is settled in Christ, in Christ only. Now, does that mean that all the confusion is gone? No, 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 not at all. Look at, we're, we're like Mary and Martha sometimes. What are you doing? Where have you been? <laughs> if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. He was there. But whatever defeat, whatever, whatever bites out of you a shark's taken, the sharks of life in this world, he will restore. It will be made new. That's the faith that we have. That's the Christ we have. That's the God we serve. So I do hope this is edifying. I do hope it causes you a deeper love of him and, uh, and confidence and trust in him. And I'll catch you guys next time.